0: Good morning. Let's pray as we begin. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our Redeemer. Amen. Uh, A personal confession to begin this morning. I never really, really learned English until I was 19 years old. Now that's my native language, obviously, but I never really learned it until I was in college. I have no pride in telling you that I sat in my high school freshman English class with a sheet worth of sentence diagramming, and I had absolutely no idea what I was doing. Other than nouns and sometimes verbs, I was completely guessing at what form of grammar I was diagramming, Pronoun, subject, object, participle, preposition, adverb, adjective. I really had no idea what I was looking at. Uh, I don't know how in the world I passed that class, to be honest with you. It was only after I studied another language that I actually learned English. Some of you will know that experience. As I began mapping and diagramming sentences in ancient Greek when I was in college, I began to actually think about my native language that I I wrote and I read and I spoke all the time. The most difficult part in Greek is identifying the subject and the object in each sentence. That's really the key. And after five semesters of Greek language, I began to see sentences deeply and I was able to translate them faithfully. When I began my seminary journey, I knew that I was ahead of many of my colleagues having already taken Greek in college, but I was humbled almost immediately by my New Testament professor. Knowing that I had a working knowledge of ancient Greek, he asked in class, Lars, as you read Ephesians 1.4, where is the meaning in this text? That was the question. Where is the meaning in this text? So I read the text, which goes like this just as he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless before him in love. Where is the meaning in that text? I said, well, that God chose us. And I think I chose that as the meaning of the text, mostly because I just like the theological idea of God choosing us as his children, right? But my professor said, no, 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 he replied. Subjects and objects... And verbs have no inherent meaning. Meaning is found in prepositions. So the correct answer for him was the meaning in that text was in. In, that's the preposition. Prepositions are those tiny little words like in or on or at or around or near, underneath, alongside, among, of, for. The preposition usually sits before a noun or a pronoun to show us the noun's relationship to another word in the sentence. So I learned to begin to to find meaning by identifying the object of the subject in each sentence, but then searching for that little preposition because the preposition was gonna indicate the relationship between the subject and the object in that sentence. I say all this to, to help us with our text today, our short little text for today because if we're looking for true meaning, we need to go look for that preposition. So the text begins very simply today. Paul, called to be an apostle by the will of God to the church of God in Corinth. Now, if we're preposition hunting, our eyes go pretty quickly to those last couple words, right? To the church of God in Corinth. Now in Greek, prepositions are pretty flexible Um, They can be translated in several ways based on the context. So based on grammar and context, you could look at this, and it could mean in Corinth, which this translator chose, but also could mean with Corinth or by Corinth or among Corinth. But the translation in Corinth is is the correct one here because it's indicating a location. That's the place that the church is in. Remember, the church was not a building, but a group of people who were following Jesus. They were located in the middle of Corinth. The preposition is locative. It's about a location. So as we continue our series entitled Everyday Mission, a series where we're training ourselves to see God's work not as the work of a select few pastors and churches or missionaries on the mission field, but rather as a mission that God gives to each and every one of us right where we are. Today, I want to talk about where you are located. Where has God placed you? Your neighborhood, your workplace, your roommates, your town, your city. These are the places that you are located in and among. Not by, not around, in. You are incorporated into these locations. You cannot separate from them. And this is exactly where God has placed you with an everyday mission. I want to recognize something important as we talk about this idea of everyday mission. I want to recognize that some of you think about where God has placed you and you have a tough time imagining how you would be able to live out your faith in such a place, how you could see that as a mission field. I've heard some stories of of your workplaces as being fundamentally hostile towards faith, and especially faith in Jesus Christ. Some of you have told me that to mention Jesus or or the church or even God is an invitation to ridicule and scorn and, and even an impediment to career advancement in certain fields. Some of you think about your neighbors. That's part of where you're located, and you have a very difficult time thinking about that as your mission field. I mean, doesn't that make it feel like the people around us are kind of projects, right? I mean, the train, the coffee house, the the kids' school, are these really mission fields? Maybe you're just trying to survive in those places. How can we see these places as God's location for us when these places are, are tough, often hostile to the idea of faith? Paul probably was not thinking about the western suburbs of Chicago of 2019 and our postmodern setting when he wrote to the church in Corinth. And you know what? I want to say you're right about that. Paul was not thinking about us necessarily when he wrote this. He was thinking about Corinth. But let me tell you a few things about the city of Corinth, the city in which the church that Paul is writing to was located, was in the middle of. Corinth is uh, a city that was built on an isthmus. It was a, it was a crucial trade route. Uh, and it was, uh, there was this wide highway between the Aegean and Mediterranean seas. It was a ridiculously wealthy city. Tons of money moving around in that city. It was driven by commerce and trade. It was a city that was obsessed with pleasure. With whatever's good, that's what we're obsessed with. Um, they, used, they, they, they would host this Isthmus Games um, in Corinth. And it was this international sporting event that people would come to and, and participate in. And there are some historical records that talk about sort of the fandom of people in Corinth around these games. And it makes it look like a like a British Premier League soccer fan is disinterested and bored compared to some of these fans. Huge, huge deal in that place. There was a massive temple right in the middle of Corinth to... Aphrodite, the Greek goddess of love and beauty and pleasure and, and procreation. It was right in the center of the city. It was built about 500 years before Jesus. But based on historical records, by the time Paul is writing to Corinth, that, that temple had no religious function at all. It was simply a temple to sexual promiscuity and and it would attract merchants from from all over the world who were stopping by in Corinth and it would openly promote prostitution and human human trafficking. It was not a good place. And though the permanent resident population of, of Corinth was mostly Greek, because of all the commerce and trade that was going on there, it was an international city. Each person sort of bringing their own religious practices and language and culture which created this melting pot of, of culture where anything kind of goes. Anything goes. It was a pretty temporary place for a lot of people, and it was just very lax. So human sacrifices were not uncommon. Drunkenness was encouraged. There was no discernible sexual ethic in this city at all. Violence was normative. It was sort of a free-for-all place with no moral boundaries, and it was outright hostile towards traditional values that this young church of Jesus Christ was leaning into. So I want to say, yes, Paul did not anticipate our culture when he was speaking to Corinth. He was like speaking to a first century version of our culture on steroids. This is not to minimize the difficulties that you might face and live out in this culture here today. But if anything, it's to give you a perspective that the Corinthian church dealt with just as much and probably a whole lot more than what we deal with today. And that is the location that we and the Corinthian church so often find ourselves in. A location that is often godless, sometimes hostile, obsessed with money, unattached from responsibility, sexually immoral, spiritually lost. This is where God has placed you. Think about it as your sphere of influence. You can leave this town and move to another one. You can change jobs, but you can never escape the fact that you have a location. You are in a location. You are located within a sphere of influence. It can be overwhelming to think of this sphere as your mission field, but it's hard to escape that reality when we read the pages of Scripture. But here's the fascinating part. If anybody's getting overwhelmed, hang with me here. This is the fascinating part, and my grammar snob friends maybe picked up on this and you've been waiting for this. There is more than one preposition to deal with in verse 2. Look at this. "To To the church of God in Corinth, we've already picked out that one, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be his holy people. Do you see it there? Those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus. So here we have, an, an, again, another interpretive decision to make, as we always do with prepositions. Is it with G- Christ Jesus, or by Christ Jesus, or among Christ Jesus? And here's the thing that is endlessly fascinating to me. There's really only one option here, and that is being located in Christ Jesus. Sanctified, located in Christ Jesus. In other words, just as the church is located in Corinth, at least in Paul's grammar, they are located, so too, in in Jesus Christ. Now, to what degree is in Christ to be understood as some sort of literal location in Paul's mind? Well, to a large degree, actually. The construction in Christ is the foundational and central idea of Paul's entire theology, it's the center of from which Paul understands and explains things like salvation and new life and freedom and the church and ethics. To prove this, um, Paul writes about Christ in us only five times in all of his letters. Contrast those five occurrences to 164 times that Paul uses the construction in Christ Jesus. Five times Christ in us, 164 times us in Christ Jesus. This expression for him was not a, a, some sort of metaphor for communion with Jesus because it's clear that Paul understood believers to actually be located in Christ. If we apply this to our sort of sphere of influence imagery, Paul understood that alongside a physical location, we are spiritually located somewhere too. And we're located in one of two places. We're either located in Adam, that is in flesh, in sin, or we are located in Christ spiritually, and that is the life of the Spirit. So if we live in the sphere of influence of Adam, of flesh and of sin, we produce and replicate a sinful life everywhere that we go. But if we live in the sphere of Christ, we produce and replicate the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ in our lives. Christ is the Christian's environment. For the Christ follower, Jesus is their geography. I think it's so powerful that Paul addresses those who are in Corinth in Christ. To be located in Christ in a spiritual sense does not negate the physical location where God has placed you. But rather, it clarifies that a Christian, a follower of Jesus, has a dual geography. From a sphere standpoint, we have a couple of options here. The two spheres like this here can be separate. I've got my Christian geography and my local geography, and they don't really interact very much with one another. This is really actually probably the most common way that people live, I think. It's tempting in our day and age. We have sort of our Sunday faith, uh, it's a reality while we're at church, maybe in the coffee hour. It's good and nice. We can, we can maintain it, but it doesn't really play into our Monday to Saturday. So we place that Christ location sort of on the shelf. It gets minimized. And when this happens, we're choosing the location of the world as our primary location from which we're drawing values and importance and purpose. The values of the world that God has given us become more and more prominent, Right? The stuff we already talked about, this autonomy and godlessness and consumerism and detachment and, and moral laxity and lack of accountability and spiritual lostness. Those values become elevated. And as they begin to take up more oxygen in our lives, the geography of being in Christ shrinks. The values become less and less influential in our and our geography in Corinth becomes our primary identity. But while Paul does not ignore the physical geography of Corinth, right? he doesn't just bypass and go, Church, you're not even in Corinth. You're just in Christ. He says you're in Christ in Corinth. Paul didn't view himself as living first and foremost in a physical location, Jerusalem or Ephesus where he was writing this or or, or any other place where he was. He viewed himself as living first and foremost in Christ. That geography determined all that he did. He lived in that geography and and he viewed it as as the geography that informed his other geography. And the values of that sphere of influence became more and more prominent in his life. The authority of the lordship of Jesus Christ, living a life of sacrifice that's patterned after Jesus Christ himself, blessing others rather than cursing them, trust and contentment, the work of justice and reconciliation, humility, surrender. These are the values of our location in Christ. And here's the difference when we think about these spheres. The physical location doesn't change, right? It is fixed. You have a location. It is where you are. So as the Christ geography is invested in and lived into, it expands in our lives and it begins to bleed into our physical Geography. When we let our geography in Christ become our primary geography, we are incorporated into the person of Jesus Christ, and that begins to affect the place where God has called us and placed us. For those of you who are overwhelmed at the idea of your neighborhood or your town or your workplace or your train line or whatever being a place of everyday mission, the solution is not to try harder. The solution is to find your primary geography in Jesus Christ. That is the heart of Paul's entire theology, being in Corinth, but more importantly, being in Jesus. If this is a compelling idea for you, or even an interesting idea for you, I want to warn you of a few side effects of choosing Christ as your primary geography. Some of you know this because you've already lived this way. Some of you will learn if you try. And the first is this. If you choose your primary geography in Christ Jesus, God is going to give you opportunities to be like Jesus. And they're going to come all the time. When we nurture this location of Christ, not putting it on the shelf, but living more fully into it, our eyes are going to be open to new opportunities. And the spirit of Christ is going to convict us to take action. Just a couple quick examples. These are just simple examples from this week for me. I was through the drive-through at uh, at in the drive-through at Chick-fil-A and the car in front of me was taking forever. It seemed like they were trying from what I could tell they were trying to split their order on like four different cards in the drive-through and and it got kind of hairy a little bit there because all the cars behind me were honking and I could hear people sort of exasperated behind me and and uh, I, I pull up to the window and I saw this exasperated sweating manager trying to keep his cool, and, and he had obviously just had a bad interaction <laughs> with, this, with this car. Now, the worldly part of me, the, the, the local location, right, the local geography part of me, wanted to get a refund for him to wait so long for my food. I wanted to accost him for mismanagement. I wanted to speak my disapproval of how things were handled. But that's not my home. My geography is in Jesus Christ. And that caused me to ask, how would Jesus interact with this person? So I, I asked the question quickly, and then I said to him, uh, Whatever you just went through, I'm really sorry, sir. I think you're really good at your job, and I, and I hope the rest of your day goes really well, gets better from here. Now, I don't know if he had ever heard anything like that, but his face would make it sound like he didn't. I never mentioned Jesus. Did you notice that? I didn't hand him a tract, I didn't hand him a Bible. I just allowed the values of my geography in Christ to seep into the physical location in that drive through which is where I was. That was the physical location where I was. Another one, I picked up my son at the middle school uh, for an orthodontist appointment. I was waiting in the office for him to come down from his class, and there was a mom there who who came in with a sweatshirt for her daughter, and she explained to the secretary, I was overhearing that that her daughter needed a long sleeve shirt because of a severe peanut allergy and she had come into sort of secondary contact with something and it broken out and and, and some sort of allergy and was embarrassed and so she wanted a long sleeve shirt. And then she came and sat next to me waiting for her daughter to come down and and again, I asked that question, how would Jesus interact with this person? Because that's where I'm trying to make my primary geography, right? And as we sat together, I, I just said, I'm sorry for all that you have to go through. I was overhearing that. That's really tough. And, and I just have a lot of respect for you as a parent. And then I asked, I said, hey, I'm a pastor. I'm at Hinsdale Covenant Church, 4th and Garfield. I'm wondering if you have any wisdom for me in our church as we deal with other kids who may have severe allergies. What, would you, what wisdom would you give to me as a pastor? And she just lit up. She was really touched to be recognized in this way, to be recognized as an expert for all the work that she's done, and just to be listened to. So you will have opportunities like this if you make Christ your primary geography. Will you take hold of them? That's really the question. The second side effect is you will face discouragement. You'll face discouragement. A world that's hostile to the gospel of Jesus may well respond with hostility to the Christ geography that is influencing your life. You may be ridiculed, dismissed, or unaffirmed. And guess what? That's okay. Our enemy, our mortal enemy, does not want those spheres of influence to touch each other, so he will discourage your efforts to live your faith out in your physical location. But be not discouraged. Let the Christ geography expand in those moments of discouragement. Jesus wasn't accepted by everyone, and as we live for him, we can't expect to be universally accepted either. Jesus had a mission, though, that made those moments of discouragement, well worth it. And I think we do too. The last side effect is the more you choose your location in Christ, you're going to feel less and less at home in your physical geography. There will be a growing sense of longing for someplace else. And this, my friends, is a great thing. St. Augustine, in his super important book, Confessions, says, Oh Lord, you have made us for yourself and our heart is restless until it rests in you. The more we live in Christ as our primary geography and the less our physical geography is going to feel at home for us. We we have a sense of of the pilgrim journey, that pilgrim longing to be with Jesus in every way and we find our home rather than in our earthly home and place. We find it in Jesus. And if you feel that restlessness, if you know that feeling, that is a sign of spiritual sensitivity and a sign of spiritual maturity. So with all this in mind, know that God has put you in a place. And I agree that it's not always easy to see our place as our mission field. But remember, we talked last week about the function that we have is a priestly one, the priesthood of all believers a mediating presence between the world and God's presence. That's what we're doing. We're bringing God's presence to the world. While well, in Corinth or Hinsdale or Chicago or Western Springs or Westmont or Donners Grove or LaGrange or Darien or Elmhurst or Riverside or Oak Park or Naperville or Oak Brook or any other place I've forgotten. Wherever we are, if we're finding our location first in Jesus, we're going to begin to mediate the presence of God to the world around us in ways just as naturally as Jesus did when he walked this earth. In Corinth, in Christ, this, my friends, is where we truly find meaning. Not apart from where we are, but right where we are with our location firmly in Christ. May God bless you in this holy, restless work as you live in his son, Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, we recognize the locations that we're in. Would you forgive us for the times when we forget that these are places where you placed us? Would you give us courage, Lord, to not make our homes in these physical locations, but our home instead in you? And just as Paul greeted that church in Corinth, but sanctified in Christ, would you sanctify our lives so that we might sanctify the locations around us through your presence? I pray that the values of that sphere of influence of of you and your son Jesus might take over our lives and that they might begin to take over the locations where you place us. And we're mindful today of our Brothers and sisters who have firmly placed their trust in you who live in locations that are much more difficult than ours. For brothers and sisters who gather today knowing that if they're found out to be worshiping that they could lose their life. For those incarcerated, for those homeless, for those in cycles of poverty, for those who don't know where to go next and what to do. pray for them that they might be comforted today by their location being in you. And may you do the same for us. And Lord, even as as we take steps of faith to live more into that this week, that you might give us encouragement. We know discouragement may come, but would you give us encouragement and testimony to share that we begin to see your good work in the locations where you placed us Lord, would you send us out on the mission that you have for us this week, we pray in your name, amen.